Akinu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey the word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Amen. Um, today we are um, continuing on in our series, and uh, there's something I, I saw that I wanted to read to you, something someone wrote. He said, there has been a dramatic shift in our society over the past generation. We have gone from a sense of duty and responsibility to a demand for services and entertainment. The society around us has put great emphasis on how do you feel as being more important than what should we do. Our society has turned inward rather than outward, a reflection of self-absorption and immaturity. It's tragic, but the body of Messiah can reflect society all too much. Probably the weakness of people of faith today is that they fail to challenge those believers in the congregation to move on to maturity. If we are not careful, we will strive to make people happy rather than to make them holy. Now, we will make them feel good rather than make them faithful and godly. We must be careful not to encourage just excitement and avoid spiritual education. You see, the goal of this series, which is entitled um, Growing as Talmudim, the goal of this series is for each of us to reconsider what it means to be a believer and a disciple of Yeshua. Is it just to say we have a faith and to come to service? Or is it to be a follower of Yeshua every single day of our lives? Every day doing what he did, saying what he says, and acting like he acts. And ultimately growing and maturing to be like him. God is calling us, each of us, to be Talmudim. Often we define ourselves as believers, we define ourselves as Messianic Jews, but the scripture defines us as Talmudim, followers of the great king. So far in this series... We have covered six out of the 12 characteristics. Today, I hope to get three more in, but if we only get two in, that's okay. But I really want us to ruminate on these truths. These are the things that the scripture says are characteristics of a Talmud, a disciple of Yeshua. Because one must ask ourselves, and I've been asking myself, do I have these characteristics in me, right? Are we, am I, are you, are we acting as Talmudim? And the good news is perhaps there might be some areas where we're not. All we need to do is make a little tweak, a little adjustment in our life to make sure that we are. Amen? Because I know each one of us want to hear on that day. The truth is when we pass from this earth, we're going to stand before the great King of Kings, the Holy One. And he's going to ask each of us, 
why he's going to say something to us. Why should I let you into the joy of heaven? What are we going to say? Hopefully that we have been faithful Talmudim of his. Amen? So, so far in this series we have covered six. I'll go through them real quick. A Talmud is a learner. A Talmud grows to maturity. A Talmud has a burden to bear. A Talmud reproduces. A Talmud loves the brethren. And the Talmud loves Yeshua above all else. Today will be part three in our series. And looking at what a disciple is and the concept of discipleship, I have to say, while familiar to believers, really requires a shifting in our thinking and actions as it pertains to our faith. The world is not changed by people being born anew only or believers, but it's changed by people who have encountered the living God and have purpose to follow him and they see a difference that serving the Messiah makes in their lives and they want that for themselves. The world is changed by people becoming disciples and that's why Yeshua gives the great commandment to go into all the world and make people Talmudim. Amen. Um, If someone could do me a, a real big favor, it would be great to have some water because my voice is really dry. Thanks. So hear this. A Talmudim is not merely a listener, although careful listening should not be undervalued. Talmud is a learner who puts what he's learned into practice. A Talmud is about growing into the image of Messiah to act like he acts, do what he does, and to say what he says. Amen? So let's go on to our seventh point. A Talmud goes after the lost, according to the word of God. Someone wrote this, you share Messiah by imitating Messiah. Stop and pause. Selah. You share Messiah by imitating Messiah. A story is told called The Happy Hypocrite. (laughs) And it goes like this. It's a story about a man who was born with an awful facial deformity. And he grew up alone and lonely. When reaching adulthood, he decided to move from his town to begin a new life. Thank you, Lucia. Thanks. And on his way, he discovered a beautiful mask that uh, fit his face, making him look handsome. At first, the mask was uncomfortable, and he was afraid that people would find out who he really was. But he continued to wear the mask every day. In his new hometown, he made many friends and he fell in love. But one day, a wicked woman from his old home neighborhood came to his town and discovered this man's true identity. In front of his friends and his fiancée, she forced him to remove the mask. When he removed the mask, it revealed a handsome face. You see, his face had conformed to the mask. Becoming like Messiah is analogous to this. Go ahead and put on Messiah, as the scripture encourages. At first, it may feel unnatural or even uncomfortable. Or maybe you think, 
Who am I trying to fool? But every day, just keep putting on the Messiah, meaning act like him, talk like him, be like him in every way. And every day you will grow more and more to be like him. So you share Messiah by imitating Messiah. Messiah's mission when he came to earth, why did he come? Did he come to take a vacation from heaven? Did he come because he figured it's probably more comfortable to be in a human tent rather than the divine glory he had before the Father? Probably not. No, he came because he had a mission to seek and to save that which was lost. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 16, he called Shimon and Andrew. And it goes like this. And he walked beside the lake Kinneret and he saw Shimon and Andrew, Shimon's brother, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Yeshua said to them, Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me. Come be my Talmudim. And I will make you fishers of men. If you follow me, you will be a fisher of men. If you follow me, you have a new assignment. If you follow me, you now have a mission and purpose for your life. And that purpose is to be a fisher of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. What is our concern for the lost? Does it move us to pray? Does it move us to fast? To open our mouths and declare the good news to the people around us? How badly do we want to reach the lost? Friends, turn on the news for about three or four minutes, read the paper, and it's, you know, really, really quickly we get a sense that our world is in utter turmoil. Our world is going crazy. But there is an answer for the craziness, and that is the message of Yeshua. We sang it today, good news. Right? Good news. The good news. Yeshua declared it forth. The good news was a message of hope, a message of redemption, a message of life, a message that takes a chaotic world and makes sense of it to broken people. Friends, you and I have been given this call as well. But where is our priority? Where is reaching the lost on our priority list? What comes before it? Our jobs, our careers, our own personal interests, our friends, our family? Does it come before God's priority? Good question, right? We are called to be fishers of men and in our role as Talmud of Yeshua, we are to be busy about that work. It says in Matthew 18, for the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. Friends, all around us, all around this building, all around your homes, even in your own families, there are lost people. Lost. Friend, you have been lost or did you ever lose something? 
And either case, I remember, I'll tell you a quick story. I went to a rabbi's event in Jersey. And the congregation where it was was fine. You could find it on the GPS and you got there really quickly. But there was a luncheon after the event in Jersey City. Anyone ever drive in Jersey City? Oh my gosh. Jersey City is the worst. And I'll tell you why. Because everything is one way. If you miss an exit, God knows where you have to go to turn around and to find. It is a maze to find anything in Jersey City. So this is what happened. After driving for 45 minutes, we finally got to the location, my vehicle. And we parked all topsy-turvy because it was such a nightmare getting there. Matter of fact, people were coming so late that as we were finishing the dessert from the lunch, people were just first showing up. And then it was a 9-11 memorial thing. So then after that, we went from the restaurant down to the metro, right? And we took the train three stops back over to Manhattan. And we came up right by the World Trade Center, right? And we did our event, and it was getting late, and I needed to go home. And so I figured three stops the other way should be where I'm supposed to be. I went three stops back, and I came up, and I was like a white light, lost. And I'm like, holy cow, I don't know where I am. Not one thing was familiar to me. Not a store, not a building. And I'm like, I have no cell phone. This is before cell phones. I have no cell phone. I have no change. And here I am. I couldn't even tell someone. So where did you park your car? I don't know. I don't know the name of the restaurant because I'm following all these crazy people and we finally get there. Who knows the name of the restaurant? I just went in, ate, and... I am utterly lost. Can I tell you, the sinking feeling in my kishkas was like, what in the world do I do? I couldn't even go to a police officer. Police officer, could you help me get... (laughs) To where? Not to my car. I mean, I don't know where my car is. I couldn't even tell someone that. Can I tell you, in that moment, that was a really, really bad feeling to be lost. Well, I'll tell you the end of the story, which was a miracle. I looked up to heaven. I said, God, I really need some help. So this is what I did. I went back down to the subway, and I looked to my right, and there were three people from the group. And I just... Jumped in with them, they got on the train, they got off, they went to the parking garage, and there was my car. (laughs) Baruch Hashem. And I can tell you, friends, it was so great to be found. It was awesome to be lost so terribly, so desperately, and to find that little shining group of people, my little angels, to get me home because I was in a dark place. I couldn't find my way out. Turn off all the lights and try to find. I didn't know. There was not one sign to point me in the right direction. Friend, that's how we were lost before Messiah. Friends, it's Hanukkah. 
We are celebrating the Shamish, the light of the world. The one who came, the light of God. To light everyone else and fill them with the life of heaven and the light of God. To find them that which were lost. I can attest, it was really super duper to be found. And I can attest, it was really super duper to be found by him. But you know what the thing is? Someone was looking for me. I had people in my family. I had strangers who were looking to tell me, Michael, there's good news. Mashiach has come. Someone was actively looking to tell me the wonderful news that, hey, you don't have to be lost in this world. There's someone God himself looking for you. And look what Yeshua said. He said, it says Yeshua came and talked with them. And this is what he said. He's getting ready to depart. And his last chat with his Talmudim is this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make people from all nations into Talmudim. That was the one thing he told them. He didn't say go and have great services, go and have a good life, go and and just kill it in the secular world. Did he? He said, no, no, no. Please go and make Talmudim of all nations. Immersing them into the reality of the Father, the Son, and the Ruach HaKodesh and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I will be with you always, yes, even to the end of the age. A Talmudim goes after the lost. So many times, listen to me, so many times people want to know what they are supposed to do as children of God. What is my ministry? What is my calling? What is my niche? Friends, it is clear that we are called in our ministry is to go and seek the lost and make them into Talmudim by the grace and the power of the Spirit of God. Friend, don't ever, don't ask me that question because the question is answered clearly here. Your ministry and my ministry is to seek and to save the lost. That's what it is. Now that might be happening as you go about your vocational duties as you go about, you know, your daily life. But our ministries are about seeking and saving the lost. You know, it's those who do not like that calling that are ever seeking to do something else. Think about it. We want to do other things. But God is not interested in those other things. He's interested in seeking and saving the lost. You know, Yeshua went to Shul, right? It's recorded for us in the, in the Besarot. He went into Shul, and he chanted the prayers, and he sang the songs, and he read from Torah. Why? Because he's a Jew. He's the Mashiach. That's what you would expect him to do. 
But that wasn't his mission. His mission was to seek and to save the lost. And he went from Shul to tell everyone that he could that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. To be clear, each of us, if we call ourselves Talmudim of Yeshua, are called to go after the lost. Say, I am called to go after the lost. Friends, listen, this is the case. I want to, I want to encourage you. Some of us say, wow, Rabbi, I'm intimidated to tell other people. But I want to tell you this. The way your personality is wired by God is wired specifically to reach people that only you can reach. Just the way you are, you don't have to morph into anyone else or become anyone else or act like some other believers. You be you and share your genuine faith in Messiah with your friends, with your family and allow the spirit of God to touch their lives through your life. He's made you specifically in a certain way and the way he's made you could impact other people. If you would put on that mindset that my job here on earth is to seek and save lost people. I want to give you, right now, before we move on to the second thing, I want to give you a charge. On Sunday, we're having a Hanukkah party. And when we go to the Hanukkah party, we always have friends and visitors come. Some Jewish people come. and um, This is what usually happens. Hear me out. Usually what happens is, I don't know, it's just like crazy, but the, the, the visitors end up together. And the congregants of Beth Emanuel end up together. And here are the visitors all by them lonesomes. Lost people. I want to charge that when you go to the Hanukkah celebration, go over and sit next to a visitor. Allow your light to shine. Just talk with them. Be friendly to them. Love on them like the Messiah loved on you. Maybe the good news will pop up. Maybe it won't. But the bottom line is to let your light shine before them. Don't steal away to the, you know, the familiar friends that you know only. Take some of your friends and go over to someone who's new to you. And tell them about Yeshua. I can remember Gary many times. Gary, this is a shout out to you, brother. <laughs> many times making visitors feel a little uncomfortable in a good way. No, no, in a good way. Because he would sit down with them and Gary just has a natural gifting to be able to talk about Yeshua to strangers. And he would just talk to them. And I can think of several of them, Jewish people who came to faith not solely, but partly because Gary would share the truths about Messiah with him, just sitting over coffee or a meal or whatever, congregational event. Sowing the seed of the good news. Friends, that's all it takes, being committed to the mission. You know what the enemy would like to do? He would like us to be afraid to tell people. And our society is kind of set up like that, right? We're afraid to tell people 
what we really think because maybe a lot of, you know, the place where we live, maybe there's a lot of liberal folks who don't want to hear about God. And we're intimidated because they might not like what I have to say and I don't want to offend people, so I'll be quiet. Friend, the good news isn't offensive. It is good news. And we have to be bold enough to declare it to people. Do you imagine? I mean, to stand before heaven and him say to you, I gave you the best news that there is in the universe. What, do you, what have you done with it? Well, well, Lord, I was afraid to share it. I was afraid to tell others because I was afraid of how they may respond to it. I have a question for you. Answer it to yourself. Did anyone tell you the good news? How did you hear about Yeshua? Oh, let me guess. You were sleeping one day and you woke up and you said, Yeshua, the Messiah, that's it. I'll follow him today with all my heart. Isn't that how it happened? No. Someone told you. And we need to tell others. Secondly, or number eight, is a Talmud is fruitful. Say fruitful. Someone wrote fruitfulness. Not fruitfulness, but fruitfulness is a sign of life. It is a source of deep satisfaction, the fulfillment of purpose. Fruitfulness is what the gardener expects when he plants a seed to grow a vineyard, right? Fruitfulness is the natural byproduct of the healthy believer and is the result of several important elements at work in the believer. A fully devoted disciple is a fruitful disciple growing and maturing. Selah. Fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Yochanan 15 and 8 says, by this, here's the measurement, by this, my Father is glorified. How many of us want to glorify God? Well, wave at me. Of course you do. By this, my Father is glorified. What does he say? That you bear much fruit and so prove, prove to be my Talmudim. What's a proof of being a Talmudim? Is to bear much fruit. Friends, listen, you know, do you agree with me that things happen intentionally? I mean, do you just roll out of bed and wind up at work in the morning? Does that happen to you? How do you get that coffee in you in the morning? Do you roll down the stairs by accident, hit the floor and get yard and what, get dragged over to the coffee pot? Now, does it happen all by accident? Does your car, especially this morning, did anyone start their car before they got in it this morning? That happened. I did. I went outside intentionally. I started it up. I scraped the windows, got that defroster going, the heater going on purpose. I was intentional to be able to get here. Well, guess what? If we're going to be fruitful, we have to be intentional to be fruitful, Right? Someone wrote, a fruitful bow whose branches run over the walls grows from a strong, well-rooted, vigorous, and healthy stock 
on the other side. The foremost disciples in spiritual life are the foremost in unselfish, persistent, untiring work for souls. Wow. Fruitfulness requires good heart soil. I've told you this before. I don't have a green thumb. We get plants and months later we'll see, look at that thing. That thing's like withered. And then I'll go and I'll give it some water and it's amazing how it perks up. A little bit of water goes a long way, right? When you tend it properly, it perks up. But fruitfulness spiritually requires good heart soil, does it not? Yeshua said in Matthew 13, look what he says. Study this story of the farmer planting seed. What does he say? What does he, what does he say to do to the story? Study this story of the farmer planting seed. When anyone hears news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface. So the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of the person's heart. So he's mixing two things, right? He's talking about a seed and planting, and he's talking about a... He immediately connects it to the spiritual. And he comes and plucks it out of the person's heart. This is the seed the farmer scatters on the road. The seed cast in the gravel, this is the person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm, but there is no soil of character. Say character. And so, when the emotions wear off, like, did you ever come to faith where someone's playing, like, the mood music behind? And your heartstrings, right? People's heartstrings can get tugged, and they could come to faith just based on an emotion. And he says, not to say that It can't be genuine and be emotional, but sometimes it's just emotional. And it says that that person hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm, but there is no soil of character. And so when the emotions wear off and now difficulty arises, life gets hard, even for the believer. When difficulty arises... This one is like terrible. There's nothing to show for it. Nothing. Remember, we're talking about fruitfulness. When difficulty arises, there's nothing to show for it. No character. The seed cast in the weeds is the person who hears the kingdom news, but weeds of worry say worry. And illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangle the message that was heard. Say worry. And say things. Those two things, worry and the concerns for getting stuff, strangle out the message of the kingdom. 
And what does it say? Nothing comes of it. Say nothing. Nothing comes of it. The seed cast on good earth is the person who hears and takes in the news and then produces a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. How many people want to harvest beyond their wildest dreams for the Lord? Sure you do. Who is it that does that? Who hears and takes in the news and then produces the harvest, goes and does. So let's talk about those four soils briefly. Shallow soil. The word cannot take root because of hard-heartedness. Yeshua said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moshe permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. More and more today, we have believers divorcing their wives. Friends, that ain't God. It said in the Old Covenant, it was allowed. Why? Yeshua, the Messiah, the ultimate teacher, Torah teacher, said it was because of your hard-heartedness. So we should, as New Covenant believers in Yeshua, walk around hard-hearted so we could go and get divorced? I don't think so. And then in Mark 10, Yeshua said again, reiterating, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. So it's recorded in two messages of the good news. Two things come to mind as to why people's hearts become hard, if you want to know why. The first is pride. Someone wrote, hard-heartedness comes from a proud and rebellious attitude that leads a person to reject God's word. Friends, we should not be uncomfortable with a message like this. But we need to search our hearts. I don't want a hard heart that God tells me something and it just bounces off. I want a heart that's tender and soft before him. Amen? God has given man a free human will that can either receive or resist his word. And one of the most usual ways of resisting God is for a person to harden his heart. Their heart becomes like a hard rock or a millstone so that they can't be touched with the truth of God. Right now, some of you might not have liked what I had to say, so you harden your heart. This is what you say, I'm not going to receive that. But guess what? That is not my word. That was the word of Messiah. I didn't say that. I didn't make that up in my head. I just read what the Messiah himself said. But if we don't like it, this is what a hard heart does. I'm not going to receive that. I'm not receiving that. And so your heart becomes hard. Can I tell you, friends, that's a bad state to be in before the Lord. The other one is sin in general. Sin causes hearts to grow hard. And the longer you keep a little pet sin around your life, the more and more desensitized you get to its effects. And you just keep it around. It could be a bad attitude. It could be unbelief. Friend, if you get a little thought of unbelief, you need to be on that immediately. If it's a negative thought about your wife, you need to get on it immediately. 
If it's about someone else or it's a habit that you know the word of God says you shouldn't be doing, you need to get on it immediately. Instead of just saying, well, I had a weak moment and one weak moment turns into two weak moments and then two weak moments turns into six months and six months turns into a year. The next thing you know, it's a habit for you. And you're desensitized to the word of God. Friend, that's a bad thing. Hear me. The scripture says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. But what happens if we don't confess our sins? Yeah. Not good. No bueno. A repentant heart is the best protection against developing a hard heart. Have a repentant heart. The second type of heart is rocky gravel or rocky soil. It's rocky gravel-ridden soil. The word cannot take root because of lack of character. The first sight of difficulty makes people walk away from their relationship with God. Cultivate these things, it says in Timothy. Immerse yourself in them. Immerse yourself in them. Say immerse yourself. Immerse yourself in them. The people will all see you mature right before their eyes. Keep a firm grasp on both your character and your teaching. Say keep a firm grasp on your character. Don't be diverted. Just keep at it. Both you and those who hear will experience salvation. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above, Baruch Hashem. These gifts come down from the Father, the creator of the heavenly lights, in whose character there is no change at all. You see, we are supposed to be a reflection of God's character in our life. Right? We are to mimic the Messiah. His character. What is our character like? At the first sign of trouble, do we bail on God? Character defined as authentic, godly character is formed by our commitment to the Messiah. When we surrender to Messiah and allow his piercing work to grow and enrich us so that the Ruach flows, our spiritual discipline, motives, and obedience, and our persevering faith will be the keys. Spiritual disciplines, say that. What spiritual disciplines do you have? Spiritual disciplines that you do every day. Do you pray every day in the word every day? Do you worship God every day? Do you seek to obey every single one of his commandments every day? Or do you just get up and see what happens? Friends, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I so desperately want you to get this. For me, be honest with you, if you get this, it's going to benefit you more than it's going to benefit me. Okay, If I get it for me, and that's what I'm looking to do, it's going to benefit me. But if you don't get this, the end's not good. Real character in God perseveres 
and does not give up when the going gets tough and challenging. Next is the weed-filled soil. The word is choked out because of worry and the cares of life. These translate into a lack of faith and to be consumed with all the stuff in our daily routine. Scripture. I tell you not to worry about your life. Not to worry about your life. Don't worry about having something to eat, drink, or wear. Isn't life more than food or clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't plant or harvest. They don't even store grain in barns, yet your Father in heaven takes care of them. Aren't you worth more than birds? Can worry make you live longer? Why worry about clothes? Look how the wildflowers grow. They don't work hard to make their clothes. But I tell you that Shlomo, with all his wealth, wasn't as well clothed as one of them. God gives such beauty to everything that grows in the fields, even though it is here today and thrown into a fire tomorrow. He will surely do even more for you. Why do you have such little faith? Don't worry and ask yourselves, will we have anything to eat? Will we have anything to drink? Will we have any clothes to wear? Only people who don't know God are always worrying about such things. Your Father in heaven knows that you need all of these, but more than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants. What does it say? Wait, let me reread that. But more than anything else in life, put God's work first and do what he wants. I didn't make that up. It's in your Bible. Put God's work first and do what he wants. Then the other things will be yours as well. Don't worry about tomorrow. It will take care of itself. You have enough to worry about today. Man, oh man. That's convicting stuff, isn't it? I don't know about you. I know you're out there listening to it. I'm up here reading it and going like this. Gulp. Then there's good soil. How many want good soil? Bearing 60, right? 80, 100 times what was sown. Good soil. Anyone ever plant uh, plant little tomato Tomato seeds. We did once one year. You plant the seed and those you can't get rid of those things. And then tomatoes stop popping up and they start expanding and growing. They go just from a few seeds. Good soil. The good 
Hard soil is someone who is obedient to God and his word. So Yeshua said to the Judeans who had trusted him, if ye, if, say if, if you obey what I say, then you are really my Talmudim. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Obedience to the word of God and the spiritual truths that we learn is the pathway to a fruitful life in God. Let me say that again. Obedience to the word of God. Not to the rabbi. Not to your spouse. Not to your children. Not to your friends. Not to your job. Obedience to the word of God and the spiritual truth that we learn is the pathway to a fruitful life in God. This is what we're asking. Do you want to, do you ever want, if, are you like me? I pick up the Bible and I read it. And I always have these thoughts, God, why such a contradiction in the things that I read in the Bible and the things that we experience in the world? When I read the stories of the believers in the Bible, man, they are shaking and moving and hopping, Right? People are coming to faith. New things are happening. Powerful things are happening. But we have to keep in mind that these people didn't, they lived a sold out life to Yeshua. Maybe that's something that we should consider. Or here's the other option. We're content with not much happening and kind of just muddling through life and Trusting that one day that we'll pass from this earth and, and God will just let us, you know, squeak into heaven. And yet we, we really cannot really be compared to what we read, but, but we made it in. Is that what you're hoping for? That you just make it in? Or do you have a longing that you want to see the things that you read about come to pass? Friends, I'm going to just say it. it just It is what it is. You know, as the rabbi, I get very, very disappointed sometimes. So we had a prayer meeting Thursday night. And I was tempted and I took it. Thank God Miles came. Where's Miles? There he is. But I was going to take a selfie. I did. I took a selfie of the prayer meeting at Beth Emanuel. And I held it up and I took it. And know who was in the picture? Me. My wife and Abigail. Boom. That was the prayer meeting at Beth Emanuel. And then Miles came. That was the prayer meeting. Wow. Do we wonder why the things we read and the things we experience are different? Let me ask you a question. Besides Yom Kippur, when's the last time you fasted? Not for fasted, how about this? For some of your own family members who don't know God to come to faith. For a breakthrough for someone's healing that you know and love. Maybe an aunt, maybe a sister, maybe someone. When's the last time you said, God, it's worth it for me to skip a meal and to seek your face that perhaps, God, you would have mercy on them and touch their life? 
That's what the people we read about who we admire, who we say, oh my gosh, I want to get into the kingdom because look at all these powerful things that are happening. That's what they did. Friends, these people lived a regular life too. They had jobs and families. But yet their priority was the king and his kingdom. Yes, they were, they were willing to be inconvenienced to pray, inconvenienced to share their faith, inconvenienced to help. So, you know, you know, you're in a rush and there's the poor slob, you know, you need in the hand and you just walk by because you don't have five seconds to spare. Friends, I think we have to reconsider what we're doing. I think we do. Just my thought on that. I think I do. It's 117. I can't get to the last one that I want to cover. We'll cover it next week. But hear me. Yeshua, remember when he saw the fig tree? What was he looking for? Fruit. And, and that fig tree had a good case, a good argument to make, didn't it? Because the scripture tells us it wasn't a season for fruit. And that, that fig tree could have made a case before God and say, well, God, you made me to be like this. But God wasn't having any of it. He said, no, I'm God. <laughs> and I want fruit when I want fruit. And I want fruit. Yeshua commanded us, go and bear much fruit. That's what he said. I can only imagine then and only conclude that that's what he wants. He wants fruit. And I'm saying to myself, Lord Yeshua, I want to be fruitful for you. Whatever's got to change that I can be more fruitful, I want to be more fruitful. How about you? Because here's our options, I think. We either can be fruitful or comfortable. Fruitful or comfortable. What do you want to be? Fruitful? It's a lot of work to tend the garden. It's a lot of work to tend the garden of our heart or comfortable. You know what? I'm ending here. I don't really want this to be a heavy, but you really can't help it sometimes because it is pretty heavy. You know what I'm saying? I wish, you know, I'd like to say it's a light message, you know, but it's not a light message. Because let me tell you this, and I close with this, that what I just told you today is really the gospel. 
That's what it really is. Yeah, it's not just come and believe, just come and repeat. This is what the good news is. Will you lay down your life for him? That's what he called me to. Michael, are you willing to leave everything and everyone and everything you know and how you're doing it now to come and serve me? That's a real question that he's really asking people. Will you? And that's a real question that has to be answered by you and me. Either yes, I am willing or I'm not really willing. But that is, make no mistake about it, because I'll tell you this. I would rather be connected with people who are committed to the true good news of Yeshua, who have laid down their life for him, than to just play religious games and go on pretending, right, that everything's good in the world when it's really not. I mean, I told you at the beginning of this, this message series that, two, listen to this, two-thirds of all the congregations who serve Messiah, right, are in decline throughout the United States, two-thirds. And the growth that is happening in most congregations isn't happening by people being born anew. It's from people leaving one congregation and going to another congregation. That should either disturb us greatly So what does that translate into? For us, Jewish people are not coming to faith in Messiah. Gentile people aren't coming to faith in Messiah. You know what they call our age now? A postmodern age. So they'll know what that means? That the kids growing up have no reference to God. Where we did when we were growing up, okay, I might not have been serving God, but when you said God and talked about Moshe, and yeah, yeah, I, I can relate to that. Kids today, that's not the case. So what happens in another generation? If we keep going on this same trajectory, it's not good. So we have to decide, friends, are we going to step up to the plate, really? And be the Talmudim that Yeshua is really calling us and needing us to be, or are we going to just say, I kind of like it the way it is, and that's that. Friends, I don't want that. That's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in following Yeshua and bearing fruit and seeing the kingdom of God. Do you know the parables he tells? The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, right? And he doesn't stop there. It's like a mustard seed. It's really small and pathetic. He said, it's like a mustard seed that grows and takes over the garden. It's like yeast. Any bakers put a little yeast and it works through the whole batch of dough. It overtakes. But how does that happen? We think it just happens on its own. It happens when we make decisions to say, yes, Yeshua, I will follow you no matter what it costs. That's the good, that is, friends, you got the good news. That's the good news. And that's the unpopular version, by the way, of the good news. Because the popular version of the good news is come to Yeshua, keep your life exactly like it is, stir him in, and your life will be better. 
I could tell you that version, but I tell you, I'd be lying to your face. And the scripture tells me that don't assume to be a teacher because you will be judged more strictly. So one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to tell him what? Oh yeah, God, I told them all that everything is perfect. Everything is so great. The kingdom of God has been losing momentum for, for 30 years. And I told them everything was really good. They were just killing it for Yeshua. But I knew different. I just kept it to myself. What do you say, Lord? Let me in. Come on, let me in. I would be embarrassed, and I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be expecting a well done. And I know this. When, I, when you speak a message like this, you run the risk of scaring people away. Oops. <laughs> Guess the cat's out of the bag, sorry. Can't take them back. Friends, this is what I would like. Go check everything I said and tell me I'm lying to you. Come back next week and say, Rabbi, I want to meet with you. you what you said today on Shabbat is not true. Somehow I don't think I'm having that conversation with anyone. But what do you say? What do you say? Are you going to follow him? Are you going to bear fruit? Are you going to go after the lost? As your primary goal as a believer. Because you know what? I've been talking to the Lord every day. You know, when you're younger, you have a lot of life ahead of you. But the older you get, not that I'm old. I'm old enough. 54. Heaven sounds better and better. Just saying, heaven sounds better and better. So, you know, if, if I'm not going to be fruitful and doing the work of God here on earth, heaven's better, way better. I mean, I love you guys, but heaven is better. Why not do the work he's called us to do? And I have this little hunch that if we do it the way he says to do it, our joy meter will go through the roof. That's what I believe. I believe our, everything we wanted in life will happen as we, you know, it's one of those things that don't make sense, right? You know, how, do, how are the first last? I thought the first was first. <laughs> Let's stand up. We're going to conclude. Listen, guys, I really want you to stay and have cake for Rabbi Carol. I really do. I bought enough cake, so please have two or three pieces. We love you, but this is what I love, I want for you, each of you. I want you to be able to stand before Yeshua, God forbid, in a million years when you pass away, and you stand before him and he says, my son, come on in. I've been waiting for you. Man, you killed it. You brought people to faith. You set the prisoner free. You lived your life in a blessed way, and man, do I have something prepared specifically for you, and man, you're going you're gonna to love it. That's what I want for you. But that requires a response from you, it requires a response from me. If you're in this room and you've never really 
come into the kingdom with those expectations, which is the good news. Let's pray a prayer and ask and tell the Lord. That's what we're doing when we pray the prayer. Lord, I'll do it. Yes, Lord, I'll be a Talmud of you. Yes, Lord, I will do everything the rabbi said. Lord, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I know you'll help me. I know you'll guide me. I know you'll lead me. You'll send me the spirit of heaven, the Ruach HaKodesh, who will empower me, but I say yes, count me in. If you're in this room and never received Yeshua as your Messiah, pray after me, Lord Yeshua. Everyone pray, Lord Yeshua. Lord, I do repent of my sins, of my shortcomings, of my failure to keep your holy ways. And Lord, I repent of that. Lord, I've sinned. Forgive me. I thank you, Lord, that your word tells me that if I confess my sin, you are faithful and just and will forgive my sin. Thank you, Lord. That you'll cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord. And you'll make me holy. Not because of what I've done, but because of what Yeshua has done. But Lord, as a Talmud of you, I want to bear fruit. I want to seek the lost that they would be found just like you found me. Ruach HaKodesh, help me to live my life in such a way that I would bear fruit for the king and for the kingdom. Amen. Father, these ones are the sheep of your pasture, your people, Lord, whom you love with an everlasting love. God, I pray, Lord God, that you would help each and every one of them. God, that you would pour out your spirit on their life. God, that you would fill them with such, Lord, with with such joy, Lord, with such commitment, with such dedication to follow after you. Lord, that their lives would be so enriched because they decided to follow Yeshua with all their heart. Father, I pray for them, for their families. Lord, for their loved ones. God, that don't know Yeshua, that, Lord, because of, Lord, these precious ones, Lord, their sons and their daughters, their fathers and mothers, their aunts and their uncles would come to know Yeshua because these precious ones, Lord, lay down their life for you. God, I speak your blessing over them. May the Lord bless you and keep you to make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord Yeshua HaMashiach lift up his countenance upon you and give you 
the peace of heaven. Father, bless your people, Lord, exceedingly abundantly above all they ask and imagine as they seek your face with a whole heart. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Shabbat Shalom. Please, please, please go up, get a cup of coffee, get cake, and enjoy it. Have two pieces, please. Or three.